You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Well, welcome back, friends, to Resurrection Life uh, here on our first anniversary of podcasting. Uh, It was almost exactly a year ago that uh, I first recorded a podcast in this series, and um, it seemed appropriate to mark the turn of one year with a new version of Christ the Lord is Risen Today. So thank you, Nathaniel Vroom, for your help with that yet again. Um, And again, uh, thank you all who have uh, tuned in here for your encouragements that make me uh, want to press on. Uh, We're taking up today uh, your child's profession as part of our series on Christian parenting. I mentioned in my last uh, episode that we are going to be turning to some issues that confront parents of older children, um, kids in particular in the second decade of their lives, and particularly those who are in the teenage years. But folks, before we do that, it seemed like a good time uh, to take up a very practical subject relevant to all parents at Resurrection, Uh, and not just Resurrection, but many other congregations as well, of course. Uh, And that is our children's public professions of faith. Uh, Now, that's a significant step in the life of covenant children in Presbyterian churches, and there's something like that step taken by children in other church traditions. Uh, Sometimes it's called uh, the confirmation process. But in any case, in Presbyterianism, it's the point at which uh, children of the church formally own the faith of their parents as their own. And it's also the time when they are admitted for the first time Uh, to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Uh, At Resurrection, we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday evening. It is the finale to a day of worship and fellowship together. And uh, our tradition is for our children to profess their faith there in that evening service, uh, and just a few minutes later uh, to take uh, their first communion on the same event. So back in uh, the early days of this podcast, I had... Uh, an episode called Your Baby's Baptism, and I talked to parents about the significance of baptism for children. And so in this podcast, I want to speak of the significance of their public profession of faith, and particularly how parents can guide their children through this process. So uh, let me talk about what your child's profession of faith is, and I'll also talk about what your child's profession of faith is not and then uh, what you can do uh, to lead your child in making his public profession of faith. So that's what's ahead if you continue uh, to listen in. What is your child's profession of faith then? Uh, It is his opportunity to publicly take hold of for himself the blessings and the obligations of the covenant that he's a member of. Now, as I say that, members of Resurrection will recognize uh, I'm drawing on language uh, that we use uh, in the parental vows uh, when our children are submitted for baptism. That fourth uh, final question, do you promise, mom and dad, before God and these witnesses to endeavor by all the means of God's appointment to bring your child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? 
encouraging him or her to appropriate for himself or herself the blessings and obligations of the covenant. So the first part of that vow, of course, is taken straight from Ephesians 6.4. We're asking parents to uh, commit themselves to, well, the ESV renders it, uh, raising their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we've had a lot to say about that in this series. But now I'm zeroing in on that final part of the parental vow at our children's baptism. Do you promise to encourage your child to appropriate for himself the blessings and obligations of the covenant? <clears throat> now, that's old language, old-fashioned language. To appropriate uh, is to take hold of. Uh, we might say to own for himself. And so we're asking, do you promise to encourage your child to take hold of the blessings of the covenant? You do that by trust and uh, or faith. Uh, do you promise to encourage your children to take hold of the obligations of the covenant? You do that by obedience. And of course, that's what parents are nurturing in their children, faith and obedience. That is something that uh, is put then on public display in a child's profession of faith in a Presbyterian church because that's when he or she has the opportunity to testify to the very thing that his parents have been praying and parenting towards. He's able to testify to his own faith in Christ, his own commitment to serve him. Those are the things, of course, as we've made clear in the past, those are the things that are necessary for his covenant relationship with God to ultimately result in a saving relationship. I'm thinking uh, just now of an illustration that one of my mentors in college and in seminary, actually, uh, Henry Krabendam, liked to give. It's an illustration of a child appropriating uh, for himself, the blessings and obligations of the covenant. So uh, Dr. K would um, say that in baptism, uh, God writes a check uh, with your child's name on it, and he signs the check. The check is all about salvation. But in a profession of faith, uh, your child is taking that check where God had signed over to him salvation. He's turning it over, and he's endorsing it. He's signing his name on the back. And of course, the illustration is helpful because, as Dr. Kravina would say, uh, God really gives all the blessings of the covenant, salvation itself. He gives that in baptism, but notice, that which he gives is only received by those who believe and show the uh, reality of their faith by their lives of obedience. So, uh, in a public profession of faith, think of your child as signing the check, endorsing the check, uh, saying, yes, this is a gift I want. Um, there it is, profession of faith uh, that was first made out to him uh, in his baptism. Uh, sadly, there are children of the covenant uh, who never, as it were, turn that check over and sign their name on it, uh, endorse it. But your child's profession is his public opportunity to say, I believe in Jesus too, like my mom and dad. I love Jesus too, and I want to serve him all my life, just as my mom and dad have taught me. 
So, folks, that's the wonderful thing that your child's public profession of faith is. Now, I also want to seek a little greater clarity uh, by talking about a few things um, that your child's profession of faith is not. Uh, So this element of our church life, uh, our children making public profession of faith, it is a deeply edifying one for everyone involved if it's rightly understood. But unfortunately, there are some misunderstandings uh, about it, and they can undercut, at least to some degree, the uh, blessing, uh, the edification of it all. So let me try to dispel a few of those misconceptions, and along the way, I will be trying to get for us an even clearer view of this step uh, that our children take uh, in our congregations, our covenant communities. So number one, I want to make clear, your child's public profession of faith is not the occasion of his joining the church. Now, uh, friends, this is a mistake that I have heard lifelong Presbyterians make time and time again. They speak of a covenant child's day of public profession as the day they, quote, joined the church. And as a dyed-in-the-wool, paedo-baptist, Presbyterian, when I hear that, I want to tear my hair out. And I usually resist doing that, of course. Uh, uh, Friends, my fellow Presbyterians particularly, once again, from the top, it is a fundamental tenet of our view of our children as members of the covenant that they are actually officially received into church membership at their baptism. It's by baptism, both for adults and for children, that we enter into church membership. It's by baptism. Our covenant children cannot join the church by professing faith because they already are members of the church. So, you might ask, in historic, pardon me, in historic Presbyterian practice, what's happening then when our children profess their faith? Well, this is the right way to understand it in Presbyterianism. They're transitioning from a baptized membership in the church to what we call communicant membership. So on the basis of their profession of faith, they are, uh, through that being admitted to the Lord's Supper. Uh, This is how you should think of that transition. They are essentially being admitted to further and fuller privileges of church membership, but they already enjoyed all the other privileges of church membership before that day came. When I say all the other privileges of membership, don't overlook or underestimate those. Um, Our OPC, Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Book of Church Order, uh, for example, makes clear that elders are responsible to shepherd all the members of the church to include all the children of the church, whatever their age. Why would they be responsible to shepherd all of the members of each household? Because the smallest members of the household are church members. Uh, The BCO, as we call it, uh, also goes so far as to say that that shepherding can actually lead to church discipline for covenant children because, well, they are church members. And church discipline, another subject for another day, of course, uh, is one of the means of grace that God has ordained uh, to keep us uh, in a faithful discipleship to Christ. Now, uh, I've gotten a little huffy about Presbyterians getting confused about this question, but I'll just acknowledge now 
uh, that in some ways our Presbyterian liturgies might have contributed to the problem. Um, As much as we have said that our children are members with us from their baptisms, uh, in many cases uh, their professions of faith can in fact look identical to the rituals or the uh, processes in our liturgies where uh, brand new members are added to uh, the number of the church. And I have to say, I can't blame folks in the pew uh, if the ritual is the same for thinking that the reality is the same. Our children are joining the church because they're going through a process that looks a whole lot like um, other people coming to our church for the first time and joining the church. Uh, Folks, this is why I'm such a fan of my own denomination's revised directory of public worship. Not only does it uh, put this whole process of children making public profession of faith in its own category, distinct from uh, folks joining the church, but listen to what it also suggests to ministers as they lead in the occasion of a child making public profession of faith. This is what is a suggested form. Quote, on the occasion of that person's public reception, it is highly advisable that the minister remind the people that he is already a member of the church, albeit a non-communicant member, and has been receiving the blessings of Christ as a member of the church, and that those blessings have resulted in this day, wherein, having given evidence of conscious saving faith in Christ, he is now about to confess that faith and become a communicant member of the congregation. So that, our uh, revised directly public worship, uh, my dear brother, fellow OPC minister, uh, Larry Wilson, who was involved, among other men, in making that revision, if you're listening highly unlikely, I'm sure. Thank you for that clarity uh, in our director of public worship. So your child's public profession of faith uh, is not the occasion of his joining the church. That's one misunderstanding I hope to have cleared up. Number two, your child's profession is not an indicator, necessarily, of his having recently been converted. Now, let me hasten to say, Uh, God's saving, converting grace comes at various times in our children's lives. And it's certainly possible that a child's profession of faith could come shortly after his conversion. But here's the point I'm making. Presbyterian parents are not waiting for a conversion experience in their children in order to guide them then towards making a public profession of faith. And Presbyterian elders are not, or at least should not be, seeking some kind of discernible conversion experience in order to approve them for communicant membership. Now, I am leaning here on things that I developed as carefully as I could uh, in that podcast some months ago called Covenantal Parenting FAQs. So I'd encourage you to go back to that episode For more detail on this point that I'm making here, if you haven't listened to it already. But suffice it to say for now, folks, this is the privilege that many covenant children, including myself and my own children, have had. Thanks to the ministry of faithful Christian parents, covenant children hear the gospel from their earliest days. 
uh, thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit, many, many times they have actually believed in Christ from their earliest days, so that a pattern of repentance is part of their lives, since as long as they can remember, and they're lovers of Christ truly and sincerely, and actually don't ever remember a day when they didn't love Christ sincerely. Now, what that wonderful reality means for many, I would submit most covenant children growing up in faithful Christian homes, is that they never had a defining moment when they, quote, got saved. Uh, They never had a conversion experience per se. They have been converted in as much as they have uh, had by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, faith as a gift and repentance as a gift and all the fruits thereof in their life, but they've not had that discernible, definable, notable conversion experience. It's grown up over time, gradually and very naturally. And my point, of course, as I've made before, is, parents, that's a blessing for your children to have that testimony. Uh, It's not a curse. In the earlier podcast that I referenced, I actually warned parents against holding over their kids an artificial standard for a conversion experience, something like perhaps they had, maybe if they were converted in college, for example, If your children have, in fact, known sincere faith in Christ from their earliest days, holding over them this kind of artificial uh, conversion experience can actually become a way of leading them not to faith, uh, but to unnecessary doubt, doubt about the work of grace that God is doing in their hearts and has been, simply because it doesn't meet some arbitrary and sometimes downright unfair standard for a conversion experience. Now, I'm uh, lingering on this clarification because it's very natural uh, for Presbyterians uh, who have perhaps come from other traditions, I'll just pick on my Baptist brothers for a moment, who've perhaps come from Baptist backgrounds to assume that a public profession of faith by the children of the church in a Presbyterian church means the same thing that it does in a Baptist church. And In our Baptist Brothers tradition, that is more typically what it means. A child or an adult is meaning the same thing when they make public profession of faith. They are saying, I just got saved. Uh, So I'm making this clarification. We're uh, not in that kind of setting. We have a very different understanding of the way God ordinarily works his grace uh, in covenant homes. So if making profession of faith is not our children testifying, to having just believed on Jesus for the first time, then what is it? An indication of, well, this is what we should focus on, brothers and sisters. Uh, It's an indication that your child is spiritually and intellectually mature enough to articulate their faith in Christ and to commit to their responsibilities uh, as full, communicant members of the church. Uh, Particularly, uh, it's showing their spiritual and intellectual maturity Uh, sufficient that they can participate with understanding at the Lord's Supper. So, by the way, from a Presbyterian perspective, uh, receiving the sacrament of baptism doesn't require this maturity. Uh, We are fundamentally in a passive state. Uh, We're uh, receiving the blessing of baptism, whether we're adults or children. We're in a, a passive state in baptism, but Presbyterians have historically held 
that receiving the Lord's Supper does require this maturity because that sacrament requires an active uh, participation in it by those uh, admitted to it. So my point is, it's your children's maturity in their faith that is the issue and that is on some kind of display in their public profession of faith. It's their maturity to articulate to their elders in an interview their faith. Uh, it's their maturity to understand the promises that are made by communicant members. It's their maturity to properly partake of the Lord's Supper. And of course, if there are things that are going on in a young person's life that openly contradict their profession of faith, and that will raise problems about uh, their uh, making profession of faith in light of that evidence to the contrary. So parents, the fundamental question, and this is really the question of all of our parenting is, do I see ongoing evidence of faith in my child? Your prayer as a parent is that God would plant or that he would have planted uh, what John Calvin called the seed of faith in our children from their earliest years. But your question is, do we see fruit of that? That's what we're praying for. That's what we're uh, nurturing our children towards. We certainly see sin, the fruit of sin in their lives. Do we also see uh, more and more as they grow signs of evident faith? And as they uh, come to a point where they're ready to make public profession of faith, uh, the issue then, is there maturity? Is there a sufficient maturity uh, of, in them as a child and uh, in their faith to be able to articulate that faith for themselves? So one more uh, thing I will say by way of clarification, what our, child's, our children's profession of faith is not. Uh, your child's profession of faith, brothers and sisters, is not then uh, his coming of age, quote-unquote, as a Christian adult. At least that is certainly not what it is at Resurrection Presbyterian Church. Now, uh, here I confess there is a variety of practice in this area in the Reformed tradition. So everyone in our Reformed tradition uh, is looking for the kind of spiritual maturity that I was talking about. But folks, some are looking for more of that maturity than others. That's a fact of life, fact of church life, broadly speaking. So uh, in some churches, professions of faith of covenant children are not really expected until their later teen years. Uh, they need then to have, in some church traditions, nearly an adult level of maturity to make a credible profession of faith. And the implication of this, or the consequence of this, is that uh, there are no children at the Lord's Supper uh, in such traditions. There's only adults uh, and young adults. Now, at Resurrection... Uh, since well before I was pastor here, uh, the elders have recognized that children can make credible professions of faith as well. Indeed, um, that covenant children typically have that much maturity far earlier than their uh, young adult years. So uh, some churches might uh, not expect their children to make profession of faith till the end of the second decade. Most kids at resurrection... Um, have professed their faith uh, more by the end of their first decade of life. Um, at Resurrection, we have believed that our covenant children can have uh, the knowledge 
an experience of authentic Christianity without having all of the eloquence of their superiors in articulating it. And I want to linger on this for just another moment because I think it's especially important for Presbyterians to keep this in mind uh, as those who are uh, known perhaps as a strength and a weakness for our enthusiasm for deep theology and our enthusiasm even for the big words that we like to use to express that theology. Folks, the things necessary to know and believe to be saved are actually, at the end of the day, crayon simple. Um, I love uh, these words uh, to this uh, point from actually a professor at one of our Reformed seminaries, Dr. Vern Poitras, uh, wrote this many years ago in uh, a rather uh, theologically oriented place, Westminster Theological Journal, but listen to these very uh, dear words about the Uh, reality of a simply expressed profession of faith. Dr. Poitras writes, Genuine faith, saving faith, includes in its mature and adult form vigorous intellectual apprehension. As adults, we believe many facts and many truths about God and about his promises to us in the Bible. But faith is genuine long before intellectual apprehension reaches its completion. Faith is trust in a person, not merely assent to a system of doctrine. Trust in a person normally includes some knowledge about the person, propositions, but the ability verbally to articulate such knowledge varies with age and verbal skill. College professors express their faith more articulately than the mentally retarded adult or the five-year-old child. Christ saves us. Our verbal and intellectual abilities as such do not. Uh, Let me continue this quote. Dr. Poitras goes on. It is easy for us to become confused about such matters. It is easy to put improper emphasis on intellectual and verbal apprehension of the truth. When we look at children, we naturally hope that their intellectual apprehension of God's truth will grow and that their faith will come to maturity. We encourage such growth. Our hopes and our encouragement are quite proper. But if we equate intellectual maturity with the essence of faith, we change salvation from a free gift into the property of those with proper intellectual credentials. And then we contradict the gospel, which tells of God's mercy to the undeserving, mercy that utterly ignores all supposed human credentials and vaunted abilities. And Dr. Poitras quotes from Romans 9 and Titus chapter 3. I love that quote. So, Brothers and sisters, your children's profession of faith, it's not the equivalent of the coming-of-age ritual that you see in other uh, even religious traditions. It's not like the Jewish bar mitzvah, when traditionally, at least, Jewish boys, after they have gone through that process, are now considered Jewish adults. That's not what profession of faith uh, in a Presbyterian church uh, means. It's simply a matter of our children coming to be ready— simply yet sincerely, 
to profess Christ as their Lord and Savior and to commit to following him as their parents are teaching them to do. So uh, that's what our child's public profession of faith is and uh, is not. Let me take the next few minutes, finally, uh, to say what can we do to lead our children in making their public professions of faith. That's what I want to lay out, and um, I'll start by saying in the broadest way possible. That includes everything that we are rightly concerned about as parents, bringing our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All of that is how we go about leading our children towards this public profession of faith. But here's a few more specific and uh, practical suggestions for you about the process itself. Number one, uh, friends, when your child expresses interest in taking communion, make that a teaching opportunity. So I start there because I think that's typically how uh, your child's public profession of faith will likely first come up in your home. Your child, he or she, will express interest in being included at the Lord's table. Now, that interest alone is not indication that he's ready to profess faith in a Presbyterian church. But parents, uh, that interest is entirely natural. It's utterly legitimate. Don't take a dim view of it. Oh, they're just not wanting to be left out. Well, since when is a desire not to be left out a bad thing, especially when it comes to the means of grace? So to see that interest as a teaching opportunity. Now, I encourage parents to make clear to their children at the very outset that it is the elder's decision when children are ready to take communion, so that in order for them to come to the Lord's Supper for the first time, children will need to meet with the elders. Say that to your children from the very outset of their expressing interest uh, in uh, taking communion. That gives you then an opportunity to begin to talk to your child about what well, what the elders themselves will want to talk to your children about should they come and meet with them. Folks, there shouldn't be anything that elders ask of children in what we call a communicant membership interview that parents haven't already talked about with their children and even done so in a very intentional way. So, parents, some of the questions you can begin to discuss with your children who express an interest in becoming a communicant member. I'll talk to them about what is God. Children's Catechism will help you with that. Talk to them about who is Jesus. Talk to them about what Jesus has done to save them. Talk to them about what it means to be a Christian. Talk about what it uh, means to live the Christian life, how we respond to our sins, and the most important way to show that we love Jesus. Talk to them about the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Talk to them about the right way to behave at the Lord's Supper. And by the way, not insignificantly. As you talk to your children about these things, making their interesting, taking communion, a teaching opportunity, ask them these questions. As you ask them these questions and they're forced in your home to articulate the answers to the questions, you'll be able to get a sense as a parent of their readiness to talk with the elders about these same issues. Um, if it's clear to you that your children are not ready, uh, then Tell them that they need to grow a little more. This is something they experience in a lot of other areas of their lives. They're not old enough yet. They need to grow and be a little bit older. You might say there's a place for you at the table, but you need to be a little bit older, and we're going to work on those things that need to be true of you in order to come to the Lord's Supper. 
keep talking to your children about those things. And I'll just add, children who make a profession of faith are uh, best helped in that if they've come from homes when, where, for example, uh, they pray out loud. Uh, they're asked questions in family worship. Uh, they talk about spiritual things with their children, not just listening to their mom and dad talk about spiritual things. So draw your children out in your home, uh, giving them opportunity in your home to articulate their faith in Christ. Uh, take their interest and make uh, a teaching opportunity out of it again and again. Number two, uh, seek your shepherding elder's input on your child's readiness to make his profession. So perhaps you're not sure whether your child is ready uh, to sit with the elders. That's a great time to seek input from an elder. And of course, uh, the natural time and place for that is in a shepherding visit. Your elders who come to visit you at resurrection uh, ought to have this on in their minds as well as they come. Um, be Feel free to let your elder know in advance of his visit. You would like to talk to them about Johnny and whether or not he is ready uh, to meet with the elders. Uh, your elder may, in that situation, uh, give your son or daughter a little practice interview uh, there in your home, asking questions uh, there where your child feels most comfortable uh, that would be part of a typical interview with the elders. And if he sees weakness in understanding or in maturity, well, while he's there, he can point to um, how you can uh, lead your child in those areas. So seek your shepherding elders' input. Number three, uh, attend the communicants class with your child and review the teaching in that class with them at home. So, of course, I'm referring now uh, to the communicants class, which in a Presbyterian church is typically a special class for the young people of the church taught by the pastor, and it's intended to ready them to make public profession of faith. I've taught this class at Resurrection uh, since the beginning of my ministry here. Um, I cover three topics, as the parents at Resurrection know. I talk about what it means to be a Christian in the communicants class. That's where I'm reviewing the ABCs, uh, repentance and faith and living a godly life and talking about the difference between a, being a Christian in name only and a Christian at heart. So I talk about what it means to be a Christian. I talk about what we're promising when we take communicant membership vows. So that's where I go through the four vows that children, like their parents, take when they make profession. And I explain the words that are hard to understand. I emphasize with the kids the seriousness of uh, taking vows, making promises publicly. And then the third thing that I do in the communicants class is I talk about what we should be doing when we participate in the Lord's Supper. I talk about where the Lord's Supper comes from, uh, and particularly what we're rightly to be doing as we partake of communion. I talk about remembering Jesus, celebrating his saving work, devoting ourselves to him as his followers, and simply enjoying fellowship with him and his people in a special way there in the Lord's Supper. So those are the topics that I cover in the communicants class at Resurrection. I'm hopeful, of course, that a lot of what I'm saying is simply review uh, for covenant kids. But if there's anything new that I say, uh, that's a good thing for parents to be mindful of as they continue the work um, of readying their children for 
uh, making public profession of faith. <clears throat> That's the reason, uh, by the way, <clears throat> at resurrection, that I request that at least one parent is present with their son or daughter. Um, I'm very interactive in the class. I seek a lot of dialogue with the kids. I throw a lot of questions at them, and uh, their responding to those questions can be helpful to parents in getting a sense of the kind of understanding they need to have um, to articulate their faith. Uh, and then parents who have sat in on the class can, of course, uh, reinforce the content of the class with their kids uh, there at home during the week. And they're in a better position to uh, make a judgment about whether they want to do the next step, which uh, I've put as number four. The next step in leading our children to making public profession of faith is, of course, to arrange for your child a profession of faith interview uh, with the elders. Uh, so again, uh, resurrection family, this simply requires your notifying a pastor or a shepherding elder uh, of your wishes. Uh, we interview typically in committees of three. Uh, they're led by the shepherding elder of the young person being uh, interviewed. And we usually schedule those interviews on Sunday afternoons before the second service. Now, I think it is fair to say that children view that interview with the elders in some widely differing ways, and it depends on their personalities in particular. Some kids think, it would appear at least, that it's the most fun they've had all year. Um, other children get really nervous about the meeting, uh, sometimes even painfully so. Um, I think it's fair to say that most children have at least some case of the nerves. Uh, parents, let me just say, for better or for worse, that's part of the consideration that you should make of whether your child is ready to have that interview. If they have the wherewithal to sit with their elders and answer some simple questions about their faith. I will say that elders at Resurrection have gotten pretty good at not being scary with their questions, and there is a a lot of opportunity in the interview to go back and forth to rephrase questions, for example, that may be confusing. But parents, uh, elders at Resurrection are interested in your child's ability to articulate their own faith in Christ and their own love for him. And your children need to know that they will have to do their best to answer those questions. By the way, parents in the interviews at Resurrection for uh, communicate membership for our kids, you will typically get a question or two from the elders as well. As part of your, child, your child's uh, interview, you might be asked, for example, uh, what are you seeing in Johnny or Susie uh, that encourages you as a parent uh, that the Holy Spirit's at work in his life? We're interested, when we ask you those questions, uh, in your testimony as the one who has the front row seat in your child's life of his spiritual life uh, in maturity. So at the end of that interview uh, and the prayer together, um, parents, you and your child will be dismissed, uh, and the elders will make a decision. And I like to say it this way. They're not making a decision about whether to admit your child to communicate membership in the Lord's Supper, but they're making a decision about when. I actually say this to the kids in my communicants class. The elders don't ever say no to a child who wants to make a public profession of faith. But they do sometimes say, not quite yet, to a child who's still too young 
uh, not fully mature enough uh, for the occasion. Now, in those cases, we ask uh, a shepherding elder to assist you in leading your child to that point of readiness, and we typically make that a priority if we've had to say not yet to a child who's interviewed with us. But brothers and sisters, in the vast majority of cases, uh, the preparation that you've given as parents to the process yields a very encouraging result. Your son, your daughter, comes uh, uh, to the moment where he takes his vows, her vows, the same ones that you've taken in the church, and they take their place with us uh, and the rest of the communicant membership at the Lord's Supper. So as a number five, let me just add here steps and, and uh, notes about leading your child in professing your faith. Parents, be ready to lead your child uh, in submitting to your elders good judgment uh, in the matter. That's an important part uh, of historic Presbyterianism. That is, elders admitting children or adults to the Lord's Supper on the basis of a credible profession of faith. Uh, That is, my friends, admittedly a judgment call. What is a credible or believable or um, a profession of faith that uh, has uh, evidence uh, to back it up? That's a judgment call. That's a judgment call with adults. It's a judgment call with our covenant kids. But my point here is that in Reformed and Presbyterian churches, that judgment lies with the elders of the local church. So uh, be surrendered to that as a parent in all of your own eagerness to see your children uh, making public profession of faith and joining at the Lord's Supper. Be uh, surrendered to that um, judgment of the elders in this and be supportive of that with your children. Lead your children in being submissive to their elders in this area. After all, I would just point out that's one of the promises that your children will make, as you have, when they profess their faith. It will be about their willingness to submit in the Lord to the government of the church. So uh, I don't think I need to add anything else to this worthy topic of our children's profession of faith. Uh, I've talked about what it is, made that hopefully a little bit clearer by saying what it's not, uh, and talked about in practical ways, how parents lead their children rightly uh, through this process. Uh, Let me just close with this observation. Uh, Brothers and sisters, there will be something new in your child's own experience as a member of the covenant after his profession of faith. Um, There'll be uh, a new and a precious means of grace in his life. He'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper. That's something new and wonderful in your child's own experience. And we might add to that, uh, there will be a new sense of personal privilege, hopefully, and personal responsibility after they have made their own commitments. This means that your child uh, making public pressure to faith, uh, well, it ushers them into a new experience of uh, some of the good stuff uh, of life in the covenant. But... Having said that about your child's own experience, let me say that in terms of the basics of Christian parenting, folks, nothing has changed for you after your child makes public profession of faith. Here's what I mean. Both before and after that momentous event, you're to be treating your child like a member of the covenant. 
And both before and after that event, you're to be calling your child to live up to the privileges and responsibilities of the covenant in faith and obedience. Sure, I, I think you've got a little more leverage when your child has made promises of his own, but everything he promises when he makes public profession of faith is actually already his responsibility. It's actually already something that God placed upon him as responsibility as a member of the covenant. He's just publicly acknowledged this now. He's committed himself personally to it. But here's my point. He, whatever age this takes place, he or she will need to be continually nurtured in that commitment that he's made, making public profession of faith. He will be exactly like all the rest of the communicant members of the church who have taken those same vows and yet need to be nurtured by that community, in his case, still by his parents, uh, to indeed follow through with all that he's promised, be faithful to the Savior uh, who's taken him in covenant bonds as his own. Well, brothers and sisters, that'll suffice on this important topic. I am looking forward to moving on to talk about parenting in the second decade uh, as we take up next time. And until that next episode of Resurrection Life, may the Lord keep you in his grace. Uh, be encouraged, my friends. Christ is risen. You've been listening to another episode of Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. This is a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sharing it with someone you know. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.